want to read once again verses 1 through 4. Romans 8, 1 through 4. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. This morning, we will again be giving some particular attention to Romans 8 in verse 1. This verse is so important. not ready to move beyond it yet. Not quite yet. I have a very simple outline this morning consisting of just three points. My first point, grasping the concepts. How should we understand the expressions used here? The second point is fitting it all together. How do each of the concepts relate to each other? And then finally, we will consider some practical aspects of this. How is this useful in my life? So, that's pretty basic. So first, grasping the concepts. How should we understand the expressions used here? You know, it seems to me, and you guys, you know, you guys can Correct me if I'm wrong. But it seems to me there are a number of expressions used through these first four verses of chapter 8 that need some defining. Expressions that aren't commonplace in everyday language. Now, I really believe that these four verses are just very central to Christianity. But I also believe that the average Christian probably... I know, I've been a Christian for 17 years. I've read over this, and over this, and over this, and over this. I've tried to understand it. I've never studied it to the extent I am right now. But I have to admit, there are concepts here that oftentimes I would read it and I would think, hmm, well, that, that might mean this or it might mean that. But you just think... I mean, you guys have your Bibles there. Look at it. No condemnation. Now, I know we talked about that last week, but you guys would have to admit, that is not a commonplace term. Brother Charles goes to work tomorrow. Well, he won't. Tomorrow's Labor Day. <laughs> On Tuesday, if he said, 
you know, looked over at the guy in the, in, in the cubicle next to him and said, could you tell me what no condemnation is? I mean, somebody might have some ideas. They might throw some things out. But to be very accurate about it, probably not. Now, in Christ Jesus, there's another expression found right there in verse 1. The fact is, as a Christian, you're familiar with it. But if I asked you to tell me, hey, what does it mean? Here's a blank piece of paper. And I'm going to give you a pen. And you guys all write out there what in Christ Jesus means. You say, well, it means to be in Him. Well, come on. Let's, I mean, I want a little bit more than that. Some of you right now might be thinking, well, I, I could say more than that. That's good. I hope so. But I look at verse 2. The law of the Spirit of life. The law of sin and death. I mean, what's that? And then it says in verse 3 that God sent His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Guys, what's the likeness of sinful flesh? And you, you might be able to tell me some things about flesh or sin. What's the likeness of sinful flesh? What does it mean to walk according to the flesh or walk according to the Spirit? What is the righteous requirement of the law? The, you, guys, this, these are concepts that we need to have a grip on. Hey, if you guys don't understand this, if you don't understand those concepts, this might as well be written in Greek or Latin as, as much as English. I know you can read these words. That's not the issue. The issue is when you read them, do you understand them? If we don't understand, it, it, it makes no... It's, it's no good, folks. You understand that? Our whole religion is based on understanding. Christianity is a religion of faith. You know what that means? That means I look at, at statements that God communicates to me. I look at objective truths and I believe them. That's, that's what faith is all about. I have, to, I have to look, read, understand, and you know, trust in what I understand. If you don't understand, you can't believe it, right? You can't believe what you don't understand. So, all we're going to do today is deal with the two expressions that we find in chapter 1. No condemnation and in... Christ Jesus. What are they? What do they mean? What is their significance? Now, I know we dealt a bit with this last week, but I think it deserves our attention once again. So for starters, let's consider these two words. No condemnation. What's meant by this expression? What, and, and this is what's important. It isn't necessarily... What does the Webster Dictionary say that it means? Now, that might not be a bad place to go if you want to know what Bible words mean. I mean, that can be helpful. And you know, way back when, Webster was a very godly man. And so he would have tried to define words in a biblical sense. But what we need to grasp is what does Paul mean when he says these words? That's important for us. Well, think about the word no. What does no mean? 
Have you ever tried to define no? Define no without saying no. You know, that's always the objective, right? When you define a word, you always want to define it without using the word that you're defining or else it really doesn't help, right? So, no. Well, the the thing we have to remember is the word no isn't originally an English word no. It's originally the Greek word no. And this word has the idea... I mean, it can be translated other ways. It can be translated never, nothing... None, not one, nothing at all. And the way it's used here is as an adjective. And it is an adjective used to negate whatever noun it is in front of. So whatever condemnation is, no condemnation is the absolute elimination and eradication of everything that is characteristic of condemnation. Right? Every element of condemnation is so radically put away that nothing, not one particle of it remains. No negates everything condemnation is. I know you're all with me so far. I just hang in here. I know this stuff, you guys, I know this stuff is, is basic. But it is so fundamental to our Christianity. And so if you're saying, well, I know some of these things. Okay, I I realize. Sometimes we take these things for granted and we shouldn't. Especially because we're having more and more people come in here that when you get talking to them, you find out they they don't even know. The, The things that you thought were just basic and you make an assumption that we all know them, people are visiting us that don't have a clue about these things. So, it's very important that we lay these foundations. Okay? Now, let me... So, this is what we said. No condemnation means the total eradication of everything that condemnation is. Does condemnation involve God declaring a man guilty of breaking His law? Does it involve that? Yes. I mean, we say yes. So... If that's the reality, then no condemnation is a state in which God will never declare a man guilty of breaking His law. Ever. Not once. Not ever. Not even for a single sin. That's what no condemnation is. No condemnation means whoever is in that state of no condemnation, whoever it can be said of, there is no condemnation. It means that God never, 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 ever, ever will find them guilty. Ever. Total eradication of guilt in the eyes of God. They will never be declared guilty. Guilty is a thing of the past. It does not exist in the life of a person who has that pronounced upon them. It is totally eradicated. Not even the tiniest. God will never look at that individual again and say, I find him culpable of a crime. I find him guilty. I find him blameworthy. Never again. No. Totally eradicated. Let me ask you this. No condemnation.
also has to do with the fact that God sentences us. Condemnation has to do with a sentence, right? Think with me, folks. Condemnation has this idea of being pronounced guilty, and what happens right at, in a court of law, what happens right after somebody is pronounced guilty? What's the next step in the court process? Sentencing. That's the next thing. Okay, we have found the criminal guilty. The next thing in condemnation is we're going to sentence him. And what is a sentencing process? What does that involve? What is pronounced in the sentence? A sentence is a pronouncement of what? Well, the judgment is we find him guilty. The sentence is what his punishment is, right? So it is a sentence of punishment. Now, guys, listen to this. With condemnation, there is a pronouncement of punishment. There is a sentence of punishment. When you have no condemnation, there is never a pronouncement of punishment. Now grasp that. Grasp the fullness of this. God will never, ever have a determination to destroy you. Which is what happens under condemnation. When God reads your sentence under condemnation, it is a sentence of destruction. It is a sentence of your damnation. It is a sentence of eternal punishment. And you know what? When God eradicates that, when there is no condemnation, it means that death and wrath and destruction will never, ever hang over your head. Not today, not tomorrow, not ever. Now listen, folks. No condemnation doesn't mean you stop sinning. Because every Christian in this room has sinned. What it means is... If, if indeed there is no condemnation for you. Now, for some of you, there is condemnation. When you sin, God is angry with you. When you sin, there is a sentence of doom upon you. When you sin, God does see you as guilty. But for those whom are under this sentence of no condemnation, God never has a determination to do us harm. Ever. And we're just laying down some of the basic facts here. But we're still not done. Condemnation also involves the actual execution of plans to do you harm. It's the actual execution of punishment. And how does it happen? How, when, when somebody's faced with condemnation, how does God execute that sentence. Well, remember back to Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Do you remember that the wrath of God is presently being revealed even now? And we looked at some of the ways back then it is. Here's the deal. If you're under condemnation, there are limited ways in which God's wrath is even directed towards you and your unrighteousness right now. But upon death, God will plunge you into the fullness, the ocean of that wrath. And here's the glory. No condemnation means 
that I will never, ever taste of the wrath of God. I will never know the terrors of hell. Never through all of eternity will God take vengeance on me for having broken His law. That is no condemnation. No guilt, no sentence of doom, no wrath forever. That is no condemnation. Okay. I knew that would be basic. I know most of you would have a grip on this. But now listen. We need to stop here and listen carefully. God's pronouncement that there is no condemnation for me does not mean that there is nothing in me that deserves condemnation. For there is. There is plenty that God ought to damn me for. Now, listen. Do you hear what I'm saying? God declares that there is no condemnation for people who in fact do deserve condemnation. So no condemnation does not mean that God lacked good cause to condemn me. What it does mean is that God has figured out some way. Some way. God has figured out how to take people worthy of condemnation and pronounce upon them no condemnation. He has figured that out. Folks, I know that we know this. I know that this church knows this. I don't... I, I wish I could say it right now in a way that would be just fresh and that would, would cause us to become unglued. But if there's a sentence of no condemnation on you, it's not because you don't deserve it. It's because... Christ took it for you. It's because He drank that wrath of God every drop. Now, I know we know we know the facts of this. But we really have to we, we have to have this cemented in our understanding. You guys, Christian. Do you ever do something wrong and then you're kind of looking over your shoulder? When's God going to come get me? There's a lot of thinking like that. Oh, I did this. You know, when's, when's the bolt of lightning going to hit me? We messed up over here and... You know, we're just waiting. We're holding our breath. You know, I, it's coming. He's going to smack me. But see, Jesus Christ drank all the smacks. He did. Down to the last drop. You need to understand that if there is no condemnation, God has no resentment towards you. God's anger towards you has been turned away. Jesus Christ 
paid every single sin in that situation. He sufficiently appeased an angry God on my behalf. And He's done so this so perfectly, so entirely, that God is able to pronounce this no condemnation for me. There, there's none forever. He's taken my guilt by becoming guilty for me. I'm left with no condemnation. Jesus Christ became that for me. Now, I mean, I could say, I could say, does anything in that sound like good news to you guys? But hear this. God doesn't do this for all people. Only for some. And that brings us to the next concept that we want to consider. In Christ Jesus. Now think about that. Look at Romans 8.1. You've got your Bibles open. Look at Romans 8.1. God has not removed condemnation from everyone. Not everyone in the room can say there is no condemnation for them. Only those who are in Christ Jesus. Now what we're doing right now, we sought to look at no condemnation. It means a total eradication of all that condemnation is. No guilt, no sentence, no execution. Ever. But now we're going to look at this term in Christ Jesus. Well, as we're seeking to define it, one thing that I can tell you about it is that the text you have right before your eyes, Romans 8, 1, tells you this about it. It is the one and only state or status or position or standing in which there is no condemnation. So we, we could say that about it. If, if somebody said to you, hey, you're a Christian, tell me what in Christ Jesus means. Well, from Romans 8, 1, we could say, well, it means this. It means that there's no condemnation. Well, is that exactly what it means? I can tell you this. It is the place where there is no condemnation. Would that be an accurate definition of in Christ Jesus? The place where there is no condemnation. In a sense. But it's probably emphasizing more one of the benefits of being there rather than really specifically defining it, right? What is in Christ Jesus? You know, a lot of times when we want to seek to define something, it can be beneficial if we look at the opposite, right? Sometimes that's helpful. So let me ask you this. You guys realize we're not dealing with rocket science right now, right? I mean, condemnation, no condemnation. Pretty basic things. Of course, you might not know that condemnation has to do with the guilt. It has to do with the sentence. It has to do with the execution. There's three components there. And all three components, by the word no, that adjective that negates before, it's all gone. In Christ, all gone. Now, if I ask you, okay, I say to you this. In Christ Jesus... Well, we're going to try to define it. One of the ways it would be helpful in defining is to look at the opposite of it. So you tell me what the opposite of in Christ Jesus is. And of course, you would say out of Christ Jesus, which, which obviously would be correct. But listen to me. 
The Bible has another way of defining or setting forth the opposite of in Christ. I want to read a text to you right now from 1 Corinthians 15. And as I read it, you tell me what the Apostle Paul sees as the opposite to being in Christ. Here it is, 1 Corinthians 15.22. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Now what's the opposite of in Christ? In Adam. That is what the biblical writer sees as being diametrically opposed to in Christ. So, of course, you'd be right to say out of Christ. But another way to say out of Christ is to say in Adam. Well, okay. Now, we've established that. But what in the world does in Adam mean? What does that mean? And we can throw a lot of things out and, and it would be in the flesh. Yeah, I mean, that, there's no question that would be true. But think about what the biblical writer... I'll tell you one thing it means. Being in Adam means you're in big trouble because you know what the text said that I just read to you? In Adam all die. In Christ all are made alive. So, I mean, one thing it means to be in Adam is you're in trouble because you're headed for death. But let me tell you even furthermore. In Romans chapter 5, in Adam is set forth before us. You and I know that Adam sinned, right? If you're visiting with us today, I'll tell you that's a fact. God told Adam way back in the beginning of Genesis that there was basically freedom to eat anywhere in the garden that he chose to eat with the exception of one tree. There was one forbidden tree in that garden. And God told him, in the day you eat thereof, you will die. And we are told in Romans chapter 5 that Adam, in fact, did commit a transgression. Tr to transgress, trans means to cross, right? Like trans-American means across the United States. Transgress means to cross this boundary. The boundary is God sets a line and says, don't cross that line. Adam transgressed. He crossed it. He was told, don't eat. He ate. But do you know what Romans 5 teaches us? It teaches us just this. It explains that God counts us all as one with Adam in such a way that when he sinned, his sin was charged to my account and yours. God saw us as one. His guilt is my guilt. By the disobedience of one, I'm quoting now right from Romans 5, by the disobedience of one, that's Adam, the many, that's us, were made sinners. 
I am guilty of that sin because he is guilty of that sin. God counts us as one. Death came upon him, so death came upon me. By his one transgression, death reigns over all men, him and us. One trespass led to condemnation for all men. He was condemned for that sin. We are condemned for that sin. You see, God views us legally as one entity. So at the root of the matter, in Adam means this. What's his is yours. Now maybe you're here today and you're saying, well, I've never heard of such a thing. Well, my friend, it's high time that you did. This is what God says is true. You see, your greatest innate problem as a man or a woman is not just simply that you sin. It's that you are by nature one with Adam. That at the very deepest sense of this is your greatest problem. You are so infused into Adam. You are so connected with him that when God looks at you, he views you just as guilty of Adam's sin, condemnation, death, judgment. Everything that came upon him is yours. That's what being in Adam means. By nature, you're in Adam. And by being so, you're in a heap of trouble. But on the other hand, now we get to our, our phrase for the day, in Christ Jesus means that God counts us as one entity with Christ. And the beauty of this is what is Christ is ours. So if you are in Christ, all that is His belongs to you. In Adam, all that's His belongs to you. In Christ, all that's Christ belongs to you. This is the very essence of what Christianity is. What is a Christian? Someone might say, a Christian is a person that made a decision for Christ or prayed a prayer, goes to church or reads his Bible. Of course, all those things are good in their place. But the Christian is essentially... When you really examine right at the core, what is the basic essence of a Christian? It is a person that is in Christ. There's nothing beyond being in Christ. That's it. If I am in Christ, what is His becomes mine. I share in what He has done exactly in the same way as I once shared in Adam and what He did. And here's the point. Did Christ live a perfect life of obedience? Yes. Then Romans 5.19 says that obedience becomes my righteousness. Did Jesus Christ suffer death and the condemnation of God? Then Romans 6.8 says that I died with Him. Was He buried? Yes, Romans 6, 4 says, I was buried with Him. When Christ died, I died. When Christ rose, I rose. When Christ ascended, I ascended. Do you believe that? When Christ ascended, did I ascend? Folks, Ephesians 2, 6 says, I'm seated with Him already in heavenly places. How can that be? 
Because, folks, He is, I am. If I'm in Him, what's His is mine. I'm not making this up, folks. This, this is not the fabrication of men's minds. Does Christ have an inheritance? Ephesians 1.11 says that in Him I've obtained it. Has Christ been glorified? Do you know that Romans 8 tells us almost past tense, folks, we're glorified. Now, have we had... You know what? You may say, well, I'm not actually sitting there yet and I'm not actually glorified yet. But if the fact is, if you're in Him, it's yours. Now, it's possible to have something that you don't have in your own pocket right now, right? It can be off... <clears throat> it's possible for my child to have money over in the bank that I haven't given to him yet, right? But it's still his. No less his. This because not in his own pocket. It's the same thing, folks. You are just as much seated there. You just as much have an inheritance there. You, this is all just as much a reality and glorification is yours because it was his. He has it. You're in him. You have it. So, there, I'll say it again. There is nothing beyond being in Christ. So, let's fit all this together. This brings me to the second point. How do each of these two concepts relate to each other? How does no condemnation and in Christ Jesus fit together? How do they interrelate? Now listen to what I'm about to say. Again, I, I want to emphasize this. We're not talking, we're, we're not talking uh, you know, sophisticated um, kind of engineers your son going to be? Nuclear. This is no nuclear engineering here, folks. This is just, it's basic. But isn't it incredible how few people understand most, some of the most basic realities on this earth? I mean, it is phenomenal to me that the things I'm telling you right now, I was at Western studying mechanical engineering, and I was studying all the equations and everything, and some of the simplicities that I'm telling you right now never even entered my mind. I had no concept of these things. Some of the most important realities that exist in the universe. And I'm studying how, how, you know, the dynamics and the statics and materials and mechanics. And all the time, some of these things just escaped me. The most simple thing. How do these connect? No condemnation. In Christ Jesus. Now, this is what I need to say to you. Romans 8.1 tells us this truth. They always go together. Either both of these statements are true about you or neither of these statements are true about you. They both stand or fall together. If you are in Christ, then what? There is no condemnation. If there is no condemnation for you, then what? That's a basic mathematical rule, right? It's called, what, the associative property, I think. Yeah, if it's true one way, it's true the other way. If there's no condemnation for you, it means you're in Christ. If you're in Christ, it means there's no condemnation for you. Now, let me ask you this. If you're not in Christ, then what? There's condemnation. Let me ask you this. If there's condemnation for you, then what? You're not in Christ. I mean, I know that's simple, but guys, but they go together. The reason that I'm wanting to 
I'm really wanting to emphasize how inseparable these things are and why I'm taking so much time to emphasize them right now is because we have had folks in our midst recently and maybe some right now that have this notion that you can be saved and to do something stupid and not be saved. Now, we almost take it for granted here that nobody believes that. But I'm telling you, I'm running into people more and more, even right here in our own walls, who don't know that. And so the thing is, I mean, we've got these people that think that one time they can be on their way to heaven and then fall and not be on their way to heaven. Which is exactly the same as saying that they can at one moment be under condemnation, get saved, have no condemnation. Then they commit some sin and fall back under condemnation. Now listen, here's the thing. Since no condemnation and in Christ Jesus always go together. If you say that one day you can have no condemnation for you and then another day you sin and there is condemnation. That is the very same thing as saying that one day you can be in Christ and then another day you can be out of Christ. Isn't it? I'm here to tell you that that idea is absolutely ridiculous. One of the most certain realities in all the Bible is that if you are once in Christ, there is absolutely nothing that can take you out of Him. There is nothing more foolish than the notion you can be in Christ at one moment than when you sin... You're out of Christ. Then when you repent, you're back in Christ again. Listen to God's Word. Romans 6.23 The free gift of God. Now listen, for starters, it's a free gift. It's something He gave you. And God is not in the business of giving and then taking back again. He gives a free gift. And what's the free gift? Eternal life. Where is it? So what? If you're in Christ Jesus, you have eternal life. That's what being saved is all about. That's what being a Christian is all about. It means you have eternal life. Now let me ask you this. Can you lose a life that's eternal? If you can, it wasn't eternal. Right? I mean, this is pretty simple stuff. Eternal means nothing if it doesn't mean endless. Eternal is forever. Unceasing, continuous, enduring, everlasting, never-ending. This is no hopscotch deal where you're in one day and out the next. That wouldn't be eternal life. That would be a cruel joke. There would be no confidence. There would be no assurance. There would be nothing to base hope on. Now listen to this. 5.11 God gave us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. If you are in the Son or in Christ, that's where eternal life is. Once in Christ, there is life forever. There is never, never, no, never any condemnation because the life is forever. And the only way the life can be forever is in Christ is forever. Paul says this, 38, I am sure that neither death nor life Angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you. 
nothing. It is forever, forever, and forever. Listen, our little church coming to this inner city region to announce some pathetic, impotent salvation that you can have one day and lose the next. Have you never heard of our Christ? The one that's taught about in this book? This is the mighty Christ. Being him in Him doesn't mean that one day you decide to take refuge in Him and then another day you fall out of Him. Listen, you didn't put yourself in there in the first place. God put you in there. And God holds you in Him. In John 10, 29, My Father who has given them to Me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Listen, we are ambassadors of Christ. Those of us that are Christians in this place, we come here on Christ's behalf and we announce in these neighborhoods a permanent salvation, everlasting life. If you're in Christ Jesus, condemnation is never going to haunt you. We must seek to think of Christians merely as given. Merely as believers. Merely as holding on to Christ. The truth about Christians is that God has put us into Christ. Implanted us in Him. United us together. We are the same fabric. We are the same flesh now. As Romans goes in and out of that. No one ceases to be a Christian when they sin. No one is cast out of Christ when they sin. God forbid there is no condemnation. If you are in Christ. Period. If you're in Him. But if you're not in Him, there is. You see, if you're in Him, everything that's His belongs to you. But if you're not in Him, nothing that belongs to Him belongs to you. So, okay. Part three. Practical application. How is this useful in my life? Well, I would like to mention something at this point. When you think of condemnation, what would the opposite of condemnation be? No condemnation, right? The opposite of condemnation is... Again, we're getting real sophisticated here, folks. The opposite of condemnation is no condemnation. But let me ask you this. Is there... Another way to, or maybe another word to describe what is opposite of condemnation. Can you think of another biblical term that would be the opposite of condemnation? Let me give you a hint. In Romans chapter 5, verse 16, and Romans chapter 5, verse 18, we are told that in Adam there is condemnation, but in Christ there is justification. That is what is set in opposition to it. Well, let me ask you this. Would justification and no condemnation be the same thing then? Well, let me ask you another question. Why didn't Paul just say in Romans 8.1, there is now justification for all who are in Christ Jesus? Could he have? He could have. Why do you think he didn't? Well, see, folks, it comes down to emphasis. 
You see, when I say justification, I'm emphasizing the things on the side. I'm saying, you have been declared righteous. When I say no condemnation, I'm actually putting the emphasis on what God has removed from us rather than from what God has given to us. So because that's Paul's emphasis here, that is what I want to, as well, seek to make the emphasis. We want to emphasize the fact that God is not declaring us guilty. More so than the fact He's declaring us righteous. Justification definitely emphasizes, you know, promises that might be attached to that righteousness. Where on the other hand, no condemnation is emphasizing the fact that there's no sentence. There's no punishment. That would be the emphasis there. The eradication of everything that God meant against us. See, Paul is stressing what we have been delivered from by being here in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying that all of God's condemning wrath and all of His omnipotent opposition to us in our sin has been totally eradicated. It's gone. So, here's the thing. Condemnation is gone. And this is immensely practical. You know why it's practical? Because if you head off to work Tuesday and you have a bad day and things don't go well and your mouth shot off and said things it shouldn't have said and you're driving home that day and you're grieved, there is no condemnation for you if you're in Christ Jesus. If you have a bout of anger and you spout off in anger and you shout something at your wife or at your husband and you have a bad day of your marriage with your spouse here on this earth, there is no condemnation. Is that practical? You know, folks, we have an enemy out there. And you know what that enemy is also called? He is a liar. But he's also an accuser. You see, he comes alongside and he says, look what you have done. God is angry with you and he wants you not in his presence at all and you better stay away. You have no right to be approaching God in the condition you're in. Look at you. You're guilty. You're filthy. You're vile. Do you think Christ wants anything to do with you? Have you ever heard that from Satan? You ever felt that in the depths of your soul? You see why this is so practical that we walk around with this? Because folks, this isn't always how we feel, is it? We don't always feel that there is no condemnation. It's always true if you're in Jesus Christ. But it's not always what we feel. Because it's not always what our own heart tells us. You know what the problem is? So many of us came from a Catholic background. And we basically live in air that is filled with the stench of Catholicism and Catholic thinking. Do we not? You know what that thinking is? When I do something wrong, I have to do what before I can go approach God? 
I have to punish myself. I have to do something. I need to hurt myself. I need to, I, I, I need to beat myself up or I need to get beaten up and then it's okay for me to come. What, what is that saying? What is that mindset? That is so backward. It is... Folks, the reality here, there is no condemnation. It's not mixed. It's not as though some days God's against you with wrath and those days are the bad days while other days He's for you and those are the good days. That's not how it works. This is emphatically not the case. It's not the way to think about it. It may seem like the way, but that is precisely why, folks, we need the truth of God's revelation in Romans 8.1 and why we shouldn't run around resting on our feelings and emotions. That only gets us into trouble. In Christ Jesus, God is never against you. Never. The Christian is a man who can never be condemned. He can never come into a state of condemnation again. That's what condemnation or no condemnation means. The apostle is not here talking about experience but about position, about our standing, our status as a Christian. He is in a position which being in Christ, he can never again come under condemnation. That is the meaning of this word no. It means never again at all. Folks, this, this is exciting for us. If we can only believe it and practically drink this truth down into our souls. Too many of us with this, this kind of Roman Catholic background, this thinking that just... It, it permeates. You know, it's, it's that thinking that I'm in God's favor as long as I'm doing good, as long as I'm, I'm going off to confession and, you know, confessing, going to Mass, doing everything a good Catholic should do. But the whole system keeps people in absolute bondage. And that's what the devil wants to do to you. He wants to keep you in bondage. Because you know what? When I can stand up in the midst of a bad day and say, Oh God, there is no condemnation. Because I'm resting my faith right there in Romans 8. One on that word. And I know. I know, Father, I messed up today. I know I sinned. But I am in Jesus Christ and what is His is mine. And I know I can still boldly approach because I'm in Him. I know I can come to you for help. I know I can come to you and lay this matter before you. I know that Satan's a liar. I know that what's been said here. Folks, that, that Catholic system is a system of bondage. You, you guys remember old Martin Luther? That guy, that guy cut loose from a legal profession and he went and joined himself to the order of the Augustinian monks and he thought there to find peace. But you know, if, you, if any of you have seen the old black and white movie of that thing, you remember he's before his confessor and he says to him, all I find is an angry God. You see, that's the way Catholicism is. You mess up. And oh, God's angry. You do good, put the dot on your forehead, keep from eating some things, and live this life. And, and somehow it goes okay, but when I mess up, then He's angry again. And then He's not angry. Then He's angry. Then He's not angry. And back and forth. And you're like this ping pong ball. And back and you... You know, why, you know why Catholics never know whether they're going to heaven or not? Because they're in this horrible cycle. They never know from one day to the next whether everything they've done has accomplished the smile of God for them. But that's the beauty of true Christianity. God says, 
My smile is upon you forever and always if you are in Jesus Christ. It never goes away. Now listen. When Christians sin, it's true. God will not always handle you gently. I remember reading about some Corinthians that sinned and God killed them. But do you know why it says He killed them? That they not be condemned with the rest of the world. And so even though God may beat you up a little bit for your sin, it doesn't mean that God is angry and looks at you with this frown of wrath. It's because God is pleased to do you good. And if you fall into sin to the degree they did, out of love and out of kindness, it's because there was no condemnation for them that He killed them. That they not be condemned with the rest of the world. Do you see what it's saying? His action against them just emphatically amplifies the reality that there was no condemnation for them. That's why He did what He did. Beloved, <coughs> wicked men, <clears throat> they'll condemn you. They'll accuse you. Satan will accuse you. But in Christ, there's no condemnation. And I want... Now... I know. It's like I've been saying all, all morning. This is basic stuff. But what I want you guys to do, because listen, <clears throat> the concepts found in these first four verses here, get involved. <clears throat> we may start simple, but it's going to get more involved. But if we don't have a good, a good foundation in this first verse, well, it's going to be difficult as we get to the second and the third and the fourth, and which is ultimately going to launch us off into all Romans 8. <clears throat> so, no condemnation. No is an adjective that totally negates everything the noun after it possesses. In this case, it's condemnation. No condemnation. None. Forever. It's gone. No guilt. God will never find you guilty. God will never sentence you to any type of of destruction. And there will never be an execution of His wrath upon you. There will never be hell at all. <clears throat> In Christ Jesus, everything that is His is yours. He suffered condemnation. So that's yours. He did it in your place. He died, that's yours. He's buried, that's yours. He rose, that's yours. As an inheritance, He reigns and rules, it's all yours. Just remember that. In Christ Jesus means God counts me one with Him and all that His is mine. That's a very simple way to grasp that concept. That is an accurate one. That is a biblical one. If you can just take these truths when your day doesn't go well, when your year doesn't go well, 
But listen, it's only true if you're in Christ. If you're not in Him, it's not true. Father, I just... I pray You would take this simple word, Lord, and just establish these facts deep in our souls, in our minds, in our understanding. Lord, may those that are in Christ be given that confidence, be given that assurance, be given that hope. May their faith lay tightly hold on this for all that are outside. Lord, I pray that You give them no assurance, but only bring them under conviction, Lord. We pray that the Spirit of God would do what the Spirit of God was sent into this world to do, and that is to convict of sin. To reveal Christ. We pray that that would be the case. The Lord, there are some here that are separated from Christ. And we pray, Lord, that You might You might reveal to them that there is a place of safety. That they need to run into Him and be safe. Lord, I pray these things in Christ's name.